Calling all passionate Goat Guns fans. Your desk is calling, and it wants a new Goat Gun. We're thrilled to announce the release of a new model and attachments. Start or grow your collection with the finest miniature die-cast products on the market. Explore our website now to see the latest releases and treat yourself or a friend. Don't wait. These models won't be available forever. Get yours at GoatGuns.com. Anything that feels addicting and intoxicating, you want to moderate a little bit. Of course, I'm not saying keep yourself from these beautiful experiences because like falling in love is the spice of life, right? However, don't spend every single day with this new person. Welcome back to Open Late Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Spandiari, and this week I'm bringing you a solo with just me. It's been a while since we've done a Q&A episode, and so that's what I'm going to be doing today. I've got about five questions that I really want to answer that I feel like are so worth featuring on this show. Um, These questions come in through uh, a number of ways. Sometimes people will ask them in a review. Um, A lot of times I'll do an Ask Me Anything on Instagram. That's how some of them come in. Some of them are just from friends or people that I'll meet out. Um, And then lastly, we have a form for questions on our website and there's also our email address. So if you have a question, a burning question that you want answered, use any of those avenues. And if it's one that I think a lot of other people have, or in this case, a question that gets asked a lot, um, but maybe sometimes in different ways with different wording, I will generally choose questions like that to feature on the show. Before we get started, I wanted to read for you a very sweet acknowledgement that someone sent me the other day on Instagram in my DMs. I wanted to highlight this just acknowledgement because it came from a relationship therapist and, you know, that carries a bit more weight with it because this person is trained in human psychology and development in the way that we relate. So when someone in those shoes says that your work is really profound and helping people and helping me, um, that means a lot. Anyway, hi, Jessica, I've been listening to your podcast. I want to say how great it is. I'm a relationship therapist. The information that you're providing and the wonderfully accessible and open way you do is fantastic. I appreciate your journey, your courage, and how you're opening doors for others to accept themselves and their sexuality. It's a great mission. I wish you every success. Um, So grateful when these come in because it really reminds me that the work I'm doing is important. And that means a lot to me. Like I kind of have to have that in order to keep going because if I don't get like the acknowledgement and the pat on the back, I will start to wonder do people even, you know, care about this? Are they interested in this topic? I don't want to be wasting my time. So anyway, keep sending them in. I really like them. Um, and let's get on to these questions because y'all have some juicy ones this week. Um, okay. This is a question that I wanted to address because it's not that people ask this a lot, but people will comment that maybe they wish that their partner were more open about their non-monogamy or their sexual expression like I am. And it's kind of like a comparison, comparison games, a trap. Um, And this person actually asked this question, how did you get so confident to speak publicly about this? My wife is so worried to be out. And this has me think of like so many different 
things to unpack. And I think this is an important topic, so I want to talk about it. Um, not many people on the planet like have the same situation of safety, of security um, that that I do to speak about these publicly. Like my housing, my job, my livelihood is not at stake if someone finds out that I'm in a polyamorous marriage, right? I, you know, have a very safe and secure situation. I'm in a privileged position where I can be out about these things. I was just having this conversation uh, the other day with one of my guests, uh, Shanae Jackson Kendall, about this. You know, not everyone has the same ability. Um, you know, some people will fear that their safety is at risk if they share these things, or people will treat them differently and it will affect their lives in different ways. So I want to just say that first, because if you're thinking, oh, I wish my partner could be as out and as public as you are, maybe they're not coming from the same place that I am. The other thing that I want to speak to is, you know, the confidence. It comes from the fact that I've been doing this a long time. So if you and your partner just opened up last year and you're like, why can't we tell our families about it? Like, I would say, let's pump the brakes a little bit because I've been practicing non-monogamy for a decade now. And for the first five years, I was very private, actually very timid, had so much shame and didn't want nobody to know. No, no, no. Like I was like, let's keep this to ourselves um, because I wasn't ready to tell the world. And lastly, to answer this person's question very specifically, the confidence for me comes from a number of places, but to keep this short and sweet, I have a degree in theater and communications. Like I have training in public speaking and uh, acting was like the love of my life truly before, you know, I met my husband and got older and all of these things. But I love to speak in front of people. Like it brings me so much joy to actually entertain as a dancer and a singer and like musical theater is my jam. Like I have a secret dying, burning desire to be on Broadway, frankly. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe that will happen for me one day. But that's where it comes from. And I think it's really unfair to compare, you know, my situation and my journey and my story to your partners because maybe public speaking is terrifying for them. And maybe the idea that people finding out about their intimacy and in their relationships is terrifying as well. Now, Am I making this sound like everybody should stay in the closet and like, you know, coming out is only for a select few? No, of course. Like, I think that coming out is incredible and it helps you confront things that are uncomfortable, like shame and shadow and, you know, looking at yourself as taboo. So yes, like, do I hope that everyone can be out and proud? Absolutely. If the circumstances are right. So. That is how I feel about that. Let's move on to question number two. I love, oh my God, I love so much. So this came in from Instagram, but that little app that lets you provide an extra link if people want to remain anonymous or if the question is really long because the question box on Instagram is like such a short character count. But anyway, this says married and newer to Polly in a relationship four months. 
and it feels intoxicating and addicting in the best ways, but it feels a little unhealthy as well. Tips on how to balance it out so the relationship is healthy and lasting. This is so beautiful. You are so self-aware. Kudos to you, even though I don't know who you are. I love this question. Um, And just to clarify for people listening, the relationship that's four months is the new relationship that is in addition to the marriage. So they're essentially talking about NRE or, you know, that really intoxicating feeling when you are falling for somebody new and like the chemistry is there and the pheromones are there and it can lead to a lot of eros or erotic love. And what happens when we're in that state is a flood of chemicals like dopamine and oxytocin. Um, But one of the things that happens, and um, I've talked about this in a previous episode where we go through the all of the types of love that the Greek language lends us. And I think there are nine of them with like tons of different dynamics and examples. When we're only in Eros, our serotonin levels are totally disrupted. And this person clearly is feeling it because they're saying, I feel a little bit out of balance, right? So Eros is incredible, new relationship energy, love it. It can be so revitalizing. It can be a a great motivator. It can be so beautiful for your personal expression, your sexual expression. However, there is a bit of a downside to it. There might be some shadow that comes up. Um, So tips on how to balance it out so the relationship is healthy and lasting. It's so simple. It's like anything that feels addicting and intoxicating, you want to moderate a little bit. Of course, I'm not saying keep yourself from these beautiful experiences because like falling in love is the spice of life, right? However, don't spend every single day with this new person. Put some boundaries up for yourself. I would say the first step actually to working with something like this is to acknowledge how you're feeling and share it with your partners if you haven't done that already. So share it with your, you know, your spouse, which sounds like, you know, is your primary partner and share it with this new partner that the reason that you might want to like pump the brakes a little bit or put up some parameters so that you're not constantly feeling this intoxication is to create like health and longevity in this new relationship. And you know, collaborate on what that can look like. But for yourself, check in and say, okay, how can I create balance and harmony? And how, like, how might I best regulate my own body chemistry? Because it's all working together, right? Mind, body, and spirit. So check in with your own spiritual practices. Are you sound every day and taking care of yourself? A lot of times, like what happens in in NRE is because we don't have the serotonin balance. Like we forget to do things like feed ourselves, take our ass to the gym, get proper sleep because you're up fucking all night long with your new partner. And then you like pass out for two hours and go to work. So think about your own health and well-being, and make sure that you can like do your whole healthy routine for yourself and then manage this external relationship. The moment that you're sacrificing your own practices and your own routine is like when you'll get out of balance. So start there and then work with the new partner and basically what you talked about, about setting up those parameters. Like maybe it's seeing them, you know, one or two nights or days less every week. And 
I would say the, the last thing on this that's popping up for me right now is like, don't neglect all of the other relationships. Like don't neglect your primary partner, obviously. Don't neglect your friendships and your family relationships that are there for you all the time, even when this new person, you know, isn't or wasn't or won't be in the future. So I hope that that leads to like health and longevity of this new relationship. And of course, like let yourself be in it when you're in it because it's so good and amazing and special. But I think some of these things will create length and will create health and balance. So kudos to you and enjoy that new strange. Um, my friends make fun of me because I say that I want to get some strange sometimes when I like want to meet somebody new. Okay, so here is the next question I want to tackle. How to accept that I might be polycurious, but all my friends are super mono. I'm worried they will judge me. They will judge you. They're going to judge you. It's human nature. It's what we do. We judge each other. And look, I'm not saying that they're doing it from a bad place or a harmful place, but... And maybe judge isn't the right word, but even your, your best friends will likely worry for your safety, for your heart. And if you're saying that they're all super mono, if they have zero experience or understanding of non-monogamy, then they likely will have a fear of it. And maybe the fear is not irrational. They just like really care about you and they don't want you to get hurt. I mean, if you have like really incredible special friends and they're like, everyone's journey is their own, like, you know, <laughs> like love and light, like bless, enjoy that. Like, I'm going to be here for you when things go wrong. And I'm not going to tell you that non-monogamy is the problem. It's very rare that we have people like that in our lives. Generally, our friends, there's going to be a fear of the unknown. There's going to be a fear that you're going to get hurt you know, and things like that. So that's going to happen. Um, and I, I just want to be like frank and honest that this is how it is. And I think until we have more visibility, until we have more representation in like media and culture um, and places where we're educating on relationships and people are seeing these healthy dynamics, it's always going to be feared or thought of as other, thought of as something that's not going to work. So it's not all doom and gloom. Look, you can create a situation for yourself where you feel supported and loved and accepted, but it might be challenging if you are the only person in your friend group. But this is amazing because this is going to provide us with a few opportunities. And I want to invite you to think about it in this way. So when there's no one in your friend group that understands like non-monogamy, the, the first thing that I'll tell you is find yourself a community or some people that you can talk to who are open because that will help you feel seen, feel understood, and it will actually help you build your confidence as a polycurious person. And if you're like, well, I don't know anybody like that or where to find them. Hello, <laughs> we're right here. We have a WhatsApp chat that is popping that people share their questions, their insights, their experiences, their highs, their lows. Um, I pop in there and give coaching whenever I can. And it's a beautiful community and it's online. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. But there are also in-person spaces where you can go on hikes with, you know, everything from like happy hours to hikes and meeting other, you know, polycurious or non-monogamous folks. You can find these people by literally Googling like the local munch in your city, munch, M-U-N-C-H, or go into Bloom communities. That's another place to find it. But like, it's not hard to find other people. And I think it's so important to your journey because not having community in non-monogamy will make it very hard for you. And this person is polycurious. So we'll just say like, maybe you're not even practicing, but you're curious. Then you will be able to understand more because those people might be sharing their valuable insights and experiences and like help you along your journey. So when you communicate and like are, you know, having a relationship, a friendship, whatever, with your friends who are super mono, as you described, you kind of have more of you have more confidence to have these conversations. You understand more and you know people now who this is working really successfully for. You know, so I would say that this is actually a really cool invitation to broaden your horizons, to broaden your community and your, you know, friendships and your circles. Um, So there's that. And then the other thing is, this is a really great opportunity for you to kind of step up, step to the plate in your friendships and let people know, like, I want to explore this and I'm. I'm essentially looking for people who love me and who support me and want to cheer me on in this journey. So I'm open to hearing your curiosities about it. I'm open to you supporting me and being excited for me, you know, and maybe this is like a cause for you to set some healthy boundaries. If you don't want your friends to tell you, oh, I'm worried about you, or if you don't want them to give you their opinion, if it's like limited, or if you feel it's going to be negative, You can say that. You can say, look, I know you love me. I know you might be worried about me, but right now I'm not open. I'm not available to hear, you know, all the ways this is not going to work. What I really want is a friend to support me and go on this journey with me. I think these are actually ways for you to get even closer to the people in your life because having kind of challenging conversations or conversations that feel a little like icky, like, I don't want to talk to my friends that way are so valuable because they create more intimacy. You're essentially giving your people a roadmap for how to show up for you better, for how to show you love more and more by giving them your boundaries and being like very open and communicative about what you're looking for. I think this is incredible. I think this isn't even like a challenge. This is a, a great thing. Um, 
yeah, we have time for one more. Let's do one more question. Okay. What do you do when interested in opening are diametrically opposed? She wants open where she gets to sleep with others away from me. I want adventures only with her involved. 100% opposite desires. Okay. Oh yeah. I left this one for the last because it's like, I, sometimes when I look at these questions, I'm like, I don't even know how to answer this, but I do because I've been there. Okay. So there was probably a little typo in here, but essentially what this means is like these two people are opening or opened, but um, one partner wants to only have experiences outside of the relationship, not with the other partner. And the other partner only wants to have these experiences with her involved. Um, and then it says 100% opposite desires, which I don't really feel like these are 100% opposite. These aren't really like, you know, fully on opposite sides of the spectrum. I would say like if one person was fully monogamous and was like, I only want us to experience things together, just the two of us and like without anybody else. And then, you know, partner B was like, I want to be fully poly. Like that's 100% opposite. In this situation, you are both wanting to bring other people into your lives in a romantic or intimate way, whatever. So I think, first of all, that's like a win-win. Second, well, also, let me just preface this with having done this for the last 10 years and meeting a lot of other people who have as well. It is so rare that where you start is where you're going to end up or what you're into right now is what you're going to be into in two years, in five years, in 20 years. I promise you, it's super rare that I will meet people who've been practicing long-term non-monogamy and they're like, yep, this is like what we do. It's what's always worked for us. It's what we've always done, period. So um, I wanted to share that before I dive into this question in hopes that it will help you understand that this is an evolution that is just always churning, like a snake that's constantly shedding its skin and being reborn. And I hope whether you're open, monogamous, poly, whatever, you are looking at a relationship in that way and letting it breathe and evolve because it should. You should always be having seasons or chapters, if you will. But I do want to help you tackle this. So in this moment, it feels like very opposing things to this person who wrote in, right? I want to only do things with her. She wants to only do things without me. This is a tough one. This is like not easy to navigate. I'm going to be honest. And Pasha and I have actually been through this. And it wasn't that like he only wanted experiences with me. He very much preferred them. And it's not like I only wanted experiences without, without him, but I was definitely in a mode and it was like lasting for a year where I wanted to explore without him there. For me, there was like this need of like independence and it was coming from a, a place that was actually very young. I didn't have a ton of sexual confidence before I met him and before we embarked on this wild journey. And in fact, I allowed men to choose me and I just sort of dated and, you know, started relationships with people who wanted to like hook up with me. And then I would like make them my boyfriend. You know, it wasn't like 
and if I, sometimes I feel like I did choose people, but it was also because they were safe because I knew they were already interested in me. Um, maybe like once or twice I was bold enough to be like, I want to hook up with that guy. And I went and did it. But the majority of my experiences came from a place of, you know, insecurity and kind of going with the flow. And the, the reason that I'm bringing up my story is because once I communicated to Pasha that I gained sexual confidence within our relationship, we had a lot of experiences together, which I loved so much and continue to. And now kind of coming back around, we're like, you know, super happy to do things together again. But in this time frame, I had felt like, okay, I grew so much and having him around was almost like this crutch where I wanted to go out on my own and gain this level of confidence, like in my sexuality and in my just fierceness without my safety and security there, if that makes sense. And so the reason I'm sharing it here with this question is because I'm curious if the two of you have really gotten underneath and examined the why of your desires. It's the, probably the most important work you'll do is ask yourself why you even want to be open in the first place. Where is it coming from and get underneath. And if you think you've like hit the, the root, ask yourself why again, because I guarantee like it's just so multi-layered. And so for you two, I'm, I'm really curious if you've asked yourself why you only want to do things with her there. And if she's asked herself like why she only wants to explore without you and understanding the need that you're trying to meet will really help you sort of disentangle it from the acts themselves, from like the sex and sexuality of it all to understanding each other's emotions and to understanding like what the, your soul at this point in your life really is craving for its own evolution or for its own expression. And not that this is going to create more compatibility, uh, but it will generally create more understanding, more compassion, um, more acceptance, more compersion in the relationship. And then I, I also wonder, it's like so hard with these questions because you know these are, these are the situations where I'm like, please write these in an email. And if you're open to it, like come on the show and ask these things because I would love to do like a full on coaching session and ask like the whys and kind of understand what's going on underneath this. But what I am curious is, what I am curious about is, have you already done both? and really felt into that because you've probably heard me say before like it's okay to do something that you don't want to do and like if you really don't like it then you just don't do it again but there are so many things that I was like oh I'm not gonna like that and then I tried it and I was like wait actually I fucking love this so it's like you don't knock it until you try it kind of thing so what I would say for this person is like if you both generally want these things that feel opposing, but are willing to, you know, maybe once every three or four occurrences, step back in and support your partner in the way that feels really good for them and vice versa, you can create more balance and harmony. Now, you can also see, you know, 
why your partner wants this, right? Like when you're in that experience and helping sort of create their desire, like in light, in, you know, manifest their desire, for example, let's talk about the person who wants to do things only with their partner. Like if the female partner comes in and is willing to like be in that experience, let's just pretend and say it's a foursome, then she can really be there for her husband, for her partner. She can really understand the dynamic that he is craving and, and serve him that and see him light up in that way. And it might actually feel really good in the moment. And if it doesn't, then we kind of go back to the drawing board and assess. But like, I feel like it was really important to share this because a lot of people are like, oh, this is what I want. I'm not going to like that before they actually do it. Same goes for the other way around. I would love to see, you know, this guy be like, okay, cool. This is like really what she wants to, you know, hold space for your partner to go out and to have these experiences without you and then engage with her when she comes home and see how she is and see how it's changed her and see what she's bringing back into the relationship to create intimacy with you and be in relationship with that version of her. And you might really like that more than you realize you do. So I would say like understanding that game. And then finally, if you get to a place where you're both like, no, this is what I like, and this is what I like, and we're not going to really see eye to eye on this, you know, there's, there's one of two roads. Like, is this a deal breaker, um, you know, for one of you, then that's something to explore and have a really hard conversation. Sometimes mix, mix match, mismatched desires can be a deal breaker for many people though. It just really helps you understand that we are not all the same and we don't all have the same wants, needs, and desires in our sexual relationships like we've been conditioned to believe we should. And that is like a big overarching theme in relationships, in mononormativity, in heteronormativity, where you know we grow up in a culture that sort of says, this should be one size fits all and it works for everybody. And if it doesn't work for you, then you're you know, a weirdo, you're outside of the box, you're a sexual deviant. And that's just like not the case. We all have different things that we like. So, you know, I don't have like a one size fits all answer for this. I would love to like find out. So please like check back in with me. Um, if you're listening and you ask this question, let me know how this lands for you. And if you want to talk more, if you are any of you that ask these questions interested in like coming on the show or chatting more about it, I'm always open to it. I'm like reading on my phone to see if there's anything else brewing that I want to share, but I think I'm complete right now. Um, yeah, these are really fun. I love these Q and A's. So if you see me put an AMA box on Instagram, do not hesitate to write in and ask me questions. I love them so so much stay tuned for what's next sending you all so much love don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never have to download an episode hey podcast listener do you love talking about movies music tv comics and games then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, 
the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.